Dream Team. This is episode 001 with myself, Dan Keeley. This is the Are We OK UK podcast, the podcast on a mission to empower the UK to speak up when we're suffering so that together we can show future generations how it's done. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the show begin. Guys, we are live. Can you believe it? It's just gone the 28th of October 2018, exactly one year on from when I finished that crazy little running adventure from the Colosseum in Rome all the way back to the London Eye as a platform that I took on to share my story and experiences with bipolar disorder. Now, if you're listening to this, there is a strong chance that you're either a very good friend of mine, a family member, and indeed my mum. Number one fan. Love you, (laughs) mum. But guys, listen to this. I'm starting where I am. If I wait until this thing to be 100% polished and perfect, I will never, ever get this thing off the ground. But do you know what? There is a power in having a deadline. And I told myself halfway through this year that I wanted to get Are We OK UK live by the 28th of October because of the synergy, because of the adventure that we went on together, of which still continues because you're listening to these words right now. Yay! Sorry, I promise you this is not going to be one of those shows. Now listen, guys, if you're listening to this, you are now part of what I like to call my dream team. If you're listening to this, there's a good chance that you will have hopefully emotively connected to this huge mission that we're on with Are We OK UK? And it's a simple one. It's a simple one because comparatively, if Elon Musk, that dude is dreaming of inhabiting Mars, then the world that we're trying to create here should be a bit of a no-brainer. And it's really simple. And that is that all 66.6 million of us across the UK, babies included, have the courage the support and the safe space to speak up when they're suffering. That's it. Now, the mission with the podcast in particular is, again, a simple one. We want every single household across the UK to hear our voice because the voice that we've got is one of togetherness because it's our heartfelt belief that every single one of us across the United Kingdom is suffering or struggling with something. We absolutely believe that. And we can say that because of the journey that we've been on together with our mental health. And I'm going to keep referring to ourselves as we, you guys, all right? Because we're all on this journey together. This is not about me sharing my story anymore. And that's exactly why the brand was created in the first place, because there is a bigger societal message going on. There is a vision that I believe in. There is a world I believe in. And it's a beautiful horizon, one with a, a zero suicide culture, one where everybody feels that they have the courage in themselves to speak up when they're suffering, that they have the support around them, the dream team around themselves, that's you guys included, to speak up when we're suffering. And then, of course, the safe space to do so. Because if we don't have that, then there are consequences. We know that, whether that's in the workplace or whether that's at school or whether that's, in a, you know, wherever you are, it doesn't matter. There are consequences if we don't have a safe space to speak up about whatever we're going through. So that is our mission, that all 66.6 million of us across the UK have the support, the courage and the safe space 
in no particular order, to speak up when they're suffering. Now, now, there might be a chance, there might be a chance, and I'm hoping that this is the case, that a few of you listening to this will not know who I am. So I think it's worth us just spending a little bit of a little bit of a moment just to fully bring you up to speed with where we are right now. My name is Dan Keeley. I was born on the 15th of May, 1985. But let's fast track all the way through the first 27 years of my life. And generally speaking, all you need to know is that I was pretty creative, pretty sporty, first one to training, last one to leave, volunteering for every sports society you could get involved in. Um, And if I wasn't being active, then I was being creative. Um, At one point, I believed I was going to be an architect just because I could draw a freaking good stadium. Honestly, you should see them. They're awesome. Uh, What else have I believed that I could go on to do? I believed I could become a NASCAR driver. That's one that not many people know. What else is there? Um, All sorts of stuff. It's it's nuts. It's, you know, just stupid growing up, naivety, youthful enthusiasm, which has served me well in many respects and uh, probably gave my family a bit more to worry about than they should have otherwise in other respects. But anyway, that's me growing up. But the story really starts in... 2012 at the age of 27 when I started at a uh, snow sports youth charity so after many years of searching for an occupation where I could apply my background in sort of sports development and uh, my passion for bringing people together and communities together using sport as a tool to do that and having qualified as a skiing instructor in 2011 uh, and working in a job which I wasn't really particularly enjoying at the time I came across these two words together snow sports charity right And there's not many of them across the UK, believe me. And I got the job. I started as the uh, partnerships and community manager with the charity. And and after many years of uh, searching for this profession, I felt like this huge weight got lifted off my shoulders. And you can imagine how I felt. And if you think that this is enthusiasm talking to you right now, you should have seen how I was on day one. And... It was awesome. It felt like this place that I was supposed to be, you know. So we're we're going through January, February, March, April, May, June, 2012, and it's freaking awesome. But, but some early warning signs go off because you know I've always been that pretty energetic guy anyway, but my energy was just dialing up and up to another level throughout those first six months. Um, I wasn't really sleeping. At one point, it went for three weeks straight with two hours sleep a night. That is not to be recommended. Um, I wasn't really eating properly or looking after my nutrition because I just felt it was a waste of time. And I wasn't exercising either. Terrible, terrible. Just because I was so tunnel focused on the impacts that I felt I was going to have on these young people that were supporting, these inner city young people to get them out to the mountains and change their world. And throughout those first few months, you know, I was just giving it the beans. I was absolutely giving it the beans. And I generally thought that, you know, if I'm going to be applying this level of enthusiasm and passion and commitment and energy to changing the lives of these young people, why wouldn't I not try and apply that to society as a whole? So I've always had this gut sense that there is so much unnecessary suffering going on around the world and I want to do something about it. I really do. So I started thinking, you know, why wouldn't I apply the same energy and enthusiasm to helping the UK? And if I was going to go that far, why would I stop there? So we booked this two-week holiday out to Italy, right? 2012, June 2012. And this time, when I say we, it was with my gorgeous fiance, who's now my wife, Georgina. She's awesome, guys, honestly. And we're out there in Italy, and now things are dialing up 
to another level. An absolute another level. I was giving away money that I didn't have. I bought a bottle of wine for every single hotel room at the hotel. It was just crazy. I was making promises I couldn't keep. I believed I'd written a New Age Bible fit for the modern times because at this point, having believed that I was going to be, you know, a huge influence on, on the UK, I believed I was the next Mark Zuckerberg, the next Steve Jobs, and it wasn't long before I started genuinely believing that I was the chosen one with 100% conviction. And... I believed it with every single atom of my being. And so obviously the alarm bells are really going off off at this point. So, oh, bless Georgie. You know, she calls her family to come out and be with us and my mother to fly out to be with us. They start making arrangements to, to fly out to Italy. Did I just say arrange, arrangements? That's not a word. Arrangements. So Georgie's mum's flying out. My mum's flying out. We pack up the little Fiat 500s and we start making our way to a specialist psychiatric ward which is about an hour away and at this point I had this point of singularity so all this kind of dopamine and this adrenaline and it almost felt like red bull pumping through my body which I would not recommend guys I'm not evangelizing this at all believe me it's not worth it the alarm bells are all going off and if I didn't get these ideas out of my system if I didn't try to impact the world in the most positive way I could in the most impactful way I could in that very moment I was going to explode so we pull over on the hard shoulder I scramble out the car and I start running down the hard shoulder of this motorway I'd lost my sanity I'd lost my sanity so I stripped down to my khaki shorts just my khaki shorts and I start putting my hands up and I stop the slow lane and the middle lane and the fast lane And I'm stood in the middle of this major motorway in northern Italy at rush hour, having stopped the traffic. And I stood there in my khaki shorts. The traffic was backed up five to ten miles. And I can still picture the face, you know, of that first guy in the the front of that car. I can still picture the little red Fiat 5... No, it wasn't a Fiat 500. That was what we were in. He was in a little Fiat Panda. And I can still picture his face. I could still pick him out in a crowd now because all my senses were on overdrive. But it was not sustainable. It was not going to end well. It was pretty catastrophic, as we would soon come to learn. So the ambulance team turn up. The police officers are there. I get locked down in the back of an ambulance, get fast-tracked to the psychiatric ward, strapped down to a bed, and they start pumping me, pumping me, pumping me, full of drugs to make me slow down and sleep and eat and slow down and sleep and eat. And the crazy thing here is that my mind was going at 200 miles an hour and the thing which took me to stood on that motorway is because I was preaching for the world to slow down and follow their hearts, which at the time I believed was a, the singular answer to ease the majority of the world's suffering going on at the time. So there I was, I'm in the psychiatric ward and over the next two and a half weeks out in Italy, I'm just waking up in between these dozy periods of being forced just to sleep for like 15 hours straight and then I'd wake up just for 10 minutes and my mum would be there and Georgie's mum would be there and I'd be like, this is weird. You know, I thought we were supposed to be setting up a new headquarters in the Colosseum. What's going on? Back to sleep again, whatever, 15 hours sleep, wake up again. And it was just a really confusing time. It was really horrid actually because I'd gone from having 100% conviction in every atom of my being, genuinely believing I was the chosen one and then getting confused that things weren't happening as I planned them to 
and I was in the psychiatric ward. So these two nurses, they fly out from the British Embassy, they escort me back to the UK, they fast-track me to the Maudsley Hospital in South London, which is one of the UK's um, most prominent mental health uh, hospitals. But believe me, it's not a place where you want to spend any moment of your time. I'm telling you guys, it's not a nice place to be. It really isn't. And it's just a, a stark reminder of what can happen if we don't look after ourselves. So obviously I was going to get the diagnosis of bipolar disorder. So having spent five and a half weeks in psychiatric wards in total, I was discharged in July uh, 2012. And without oversimplifying it, the back end of 2012 was a pretty dark time. It was a pretty dark time. And quite, quite honestly, I didn't want to be here anymore. I didn't want to be alive anymore. And I went from having 100% conviction again in every atom of my being, believing I was the chosen one, a messenger, here to show the world how to slow down and follow their hearts. And now I was bedbound, and I believed I was the biggest burden on everybody around me. I'd let myself down. I was a sheer embarrassment and I lost all sense of purpose. And there was absolutely no point not just getting out of bed to brush my teeth, which was like climbing Everest but even breathing. I didn't want to be alive anymore. And I love you guys. For those of you listening to this, who this is resonating with or been affected by any of this. But these stories have to be told. These have to be told. And so we get to January 2013. And for me, I had this turning turning point in a supermarket where after you know six months pretty much of being in bed, I get tasked with the only, with the task of going up to the, the supermarket, just a 10 minute walk to get some milk and some cereal. So I pick up the milk, that's fine, turn into the cereal aisle. And this is the first time I'd really gone out in public properly by myself. And I froze through this overwhelm and my body was crying internally. It was awful. It was humiliating. And I was there for the better part of an hour and the only way I can describe it is that my body internally was crying. And it was in a complete shock, a state of shock and debilitation. So I knew, I knew in that moment that I had to strip it all back and start it again. So on that walk home, that 10 minutes, I knew I had to strip it all back and start again. And that is exactly what I did. And I gave myself permission to put myself first. So we're now in January 2013. So I start this really cathartic process of stripping everything back and just starting again getting rid of physical items that were either cluttering my space or not adding any value. Relationships, responsibilities, commitments, anything which wasn't serving the number one thing at the time, which was my mental health, it just had to go. And so I stripped it all back and I started again. And I went down, I went down to a macro level where I didn't even have a single photo or an app on my phone that wasn't serving me or didn't bring me happiness. I didn't have a single email in my inbox that I didn't know who it was from or it wasn't in a folder. And I discovered minimalism as a lifestyle practice, which is generally to strip away life ex excess so you can focus on what matters most, which for most minimalists would agree that it's our health, our relationships, our passions, our growth and being in service to other people, which started to really work for me. So... We're now going through 2013, 2014, 2015, and having always been that expressive person anyway, I saw no point in hiding any of this. So I just started sharing my story. There was no point in hiding anything. So I just started sharing it with friends and family. And soon enough, uh, a couple of platforms picked up on my story and wanted, wanted to share it on a public level. 
and started connecting with people who could uh, get the message out there and it was pretty organic and um, it was quite humbling to think that people were finding value in me just being me. That was how things progressed and it was actually at Yesterville 2016 that after really thinking about how I could now share my story on a public stage, you know, to create a huge platform to share my story on a big level, you know, I knew I had to create something of my own. So it was actually at Yesterville 2016 where I announced for the first time that having gone through this three, four, five year period of recovery, what if, what if, what if I was to return to the country where I had the manic episode, Italy, but this time, having been on this huge journey of recovery, what if this time I was to run 1,250 miles from the Colosseum in Rome all the way back to the London Eye as a huge platform to share my story and at the time to raise money for the campaign against living miserably to ultimately keep more men alive by talking and to empower people to speak up when they were suffering. And we did it. We did it. We freaking did it. And if you're listening to this again, there's a strong chance that you were part of my pit crew, my support team, because every single person around me Every single person, my friends, my family, my loved ones, and a few distant relatives and just distant people I've never met before were right there with me in spirit, where on the, it must have been the 22nd of August, 2017, we fly out to Rome and Georgie's with me and my mum's with me and my family are with me there in spirit. And then we have a couple of days in Rome and it's now 7am on the 25th of August, 2017 and we stood right next to the Colosseum in a really really strong place mentally and physically having done my homework having got myself into a great place mentally with medication and talking therapy and an amazing support network around me and paying attention to the right things after this four-year journey five-year journey of recovery so we stood at the Colosseum and the right side of our body is warming up because we have the most gorgeous golden sunrise beaming through the arches of the Colosseum and warming up the right side of my face. It was just perfect. Five, four, three, two, one. We're off. We're pointing towards London. I had it in mind just as we set off. We're pointing north. And I'd done all my homework by this point. I'd done the homework. I'd done the legwork. And here we were. All I had to do now for the next 65 days was put one foot in the front of the other to get me from the Colosseum in Rome all the way up through Italy, over the Alps, down to Lake Geneva, up to Paris, up to the English Channel, to cross the Channel and then start those miraculous, those life-changing, incredible five days, which I called the home leg, to gear up to the London Eye to finish on Saturday, the 28th of October, 2017. It was life-changing. It was life-changing. And I'm in danger of exhausting this first episode by telling you too much about the adventure. So we're going to relive the adventure in time to come. But you can watch all my videos on YouTube, just punch in Rome to Home. And you can watch all my daily videos from start to finish for those that are interested. (sighs) Let's have a little pause. So, so... We finished the adventure on Saturday the 28th of October, 
2017. There were just shy of 150 people waiting for me at the London Eye. The red, white and blue was out. The campaign against living miserably were there. They were hosting the after party. The champagne was out and it was just, it was just, it was just this epic celebration of what we just achieved together over the past 65 days. And again, the chances are that if you're listening to this, you were either there in person or you were there in spirit. And I can't thank every single one of you enough for every single part you played to make that adventure a success. I could not have done it without you guys with me by my side. I'm so grateful to every single one of you. So we finished the adventure. We see out the rest of 2017. I take my foot off the gas and just let things grow organically. And of course, of course, we start sharing our story on different media platforms and different festivals and events. And it's it's just freaking awesome. I'm loving it. I'm loving the public speaking just because of that emotive face-to-face contact with you guys listening to this. It's just, there's nothing more that lights me up with that face-to-face contact and, and getting this stuff across. So it's been all well and good. It's been all well and good, me sharing my story. I will happily, happily, happily talk about that adventure until I'm blue in the face. I'm more than happy diving into my backstory, how I live with bipolar disorder, the medication I take, the talking therapy, the people I surround myself with, all that stuff. Oh, what was that? Forget that. Anyway, it's just been epic. It's been absolutely amazing. It's been a huge uh, natural journey, but it's fast becoming throughout 2018 something far bigger than just myself. And it was far becoming bigger than just me sharing my journey. There's a bigger societal message that I stand for, which I explained at the start of this episode. So I knew I had to create something bigger now, which basically is the home of everything I live, breathe and preach and signpost to and all that stuff. It just knew I had to create a new platform, a new home to be the hub of everything I believe in. And here's the crux of it. It's not I anymore. It's we. Because this is a collective movement. And I do know, I absolutely know from the bottom of my heart that so many of you, again, listening to this, probably who I've never met before, there's a good percentage of you I've never met before who are already with me on the world that we're trying to create. I believe that to my core. I can feel you. I can feel you right now listening to these words. You're right here with me on this world that we're all trying to create. I really believe it. And I can feel you guys right here with me. Let's take another breath. So, here we are, dream team, together, together. We're right here, in this moment, together. Now, listen, are we okay, UK? It's not just a podcast. It is not just the home of my talks. It is not just the home of these collaborative, creative projects that we've already been working on and that we've got in mind. It's not. It is also not just a signposting service. It is at the moment because right now we're starting where we are and we're doing what we can. And if you check in on the website, areweok.uk, you'll get the gist of what we're all about. And so we're a social enterprise and we are driven not by what we do. We are not defined by what we do. We're not even defined by how we do it. We are absolutely defined and always will be because we're in it for the long run by why we do what we do. And you know exactly why we do what we do. 
why we do what we do, why we do what we do. It's to empower the UK to speak up when we're suffering so that together we can show future generations how it's done. And the journey has already begun. And if you're listening to these words, you're on this journey with me. Sorry, guys, we're in this together and I'm dragging every single one of you along with me. Now, listen, listen to me. There are a few ways that you can help. It's been amazing since we've launched already of the number of you that have already reached out to support this movement, this ideal, this vision. And I love you guys for it. I really do. Already, I've received a little bit of sponsorship for some business cards. That's going to help. I've received a little bit of sponsorship towards some power flags, and I can't wait to place an order. Now, listen to me. We are not a charity. Let's get that clear. We are a social enterprise, which generally means that if our business does well, then society does well. So any contributions that any of you guys feel you want to be a part of and want to support the vision that we're trying to create, I don't just want sponsorship money for sponsorship's sake. I want you guys to feel emotively connected to what you would like to see Are We Okay UK deliver, okay? Because we are on this journey together and believe me, we're not making any salary from any sponsorship that comes in. Let's just get that clear right from the start. Every single pound that comes in through sponsorship goes directly to the products and future services that we're hoping to provide. But right now, it's a lot of signposting. So you'll see on the need help section of our website, areweok.uk, that we're doing, or we will be, starting to do a lot of signposting to the infinite numbers of people and resources and services that are out there already right now of all these professionals that are ready and waiting to help you guys with the support that you might be needing right now. So let's just get that clear on the sponsorship front. I think we've got it. There are so many other ways that you can support the vision and the world that we're trying to create. One of which is just joining in on the conversation. Now, for those eagle-eyed of you, you will see that actually we're not called Are We Okay UK? It's hashtag Are We Okay UK? Hashtag, what is that in 2018 if it's not a conversation? A hashtag, guys, for those that are still thinking about it or still don't get it, it's a conversation. If you use a hashtag and put any words after it, the chances are you're going to be joining a conversation of whatever that is. Hashtag Are We OK UK is a live 24 7 conversation focused around empowering people to speak up. And one of the key things which I want every single person engaging with that hashtag to think about is what if. Using those two words, what if. Yes, we can focus on the what if, I did X, Y, and Z to help myself to speak up, and we can focus on that stuff, absolutely. But what if we did this to empower people to speak up when they're struggling? What if we did this to empower people to speak up when we're suffering? That's what I want us to be thinking about because we are a 90% solution-led social enterprise which focuses 10% on the problem, 90% on the solution, and by doing so, we're actually focusing 100% on solving the problem. I'm 100% clear on that. You got it? Good. Other ways you can help are just by getting in touch. Listen, there are so many ways that you can donate your time. Um, there are loads of different projects that I've got in mind and some of them are just very stop star A to B and I'd love to hear from any of you who have a little bit of time and might be able just to help me out populate some of the stuff on the website and help me to um, to pull together some of the stuff that I've been thinking about I'd love to hear from you basically from any of you who want to be part of the story and 
I want you to tell me what you're most passionate about and then we'll start from there. Whether you're a photographer, we've probably got a need for you. Whether you're a doctor, I'm sure I'd love to get some professional insight from you. Whatever, guys, I could go on, honestly. I want to start with where you guys are and I want you guys to feel like you're part of this journey by offering the skills and services that you think you could bring to whatever this thing is going to blossom into and it is going to blossom. It's going to be amazing and we're really in this for the long run. I feel like I'm waffling. Guys, in the short term, what you can really do is that if this podcast episode has resonated with you, I would freaking love it if you would share it with your friends and family. The mission with the podcast is simple, for every single household in the UK to hear our voice. And it might take 50 years to get there, but we're up for the challenge. We really are. As I say, we're in this for the long run. We're right here to play the long game, to empower every single person across the United Kingdom to speak up when they're suffering so that together we can show future generations how it's done. I love you guys. Thank you so much for sticking with me to the end of what has been podcast episode 001. I love you guys so much. Shake and bake.